Hey there. Are you interested in connecting with travelers and app geeks and getting access to exclusive travel-themed events and giveaways? App in the Air has all this and more in their private community. Check out the app for free using the link in the show notes and get 20% off of your next flight when you book directly through App in the Air by using the code GeoBreeze at checkout. Thank you to App in the Air for partnering with this episode of the GeoBreeze Travel Podcast. Welcome to the GeoBreeze Travel Podcast, a show for anyone wanting to level up their travel hacking lifestyle. I'm your host, Julia Menez. I'm a travel hacker, coach, speaker, Filipina-American ENTJ who loves solid travel gear and using shortcuts on spreadsheets. On this show, I'm on a mission to bring you travel hackers from all walks of life to help you level up your travel hacking game. We dive into credit cards, miles, points, strategy, mindset, and the secrets behind how to travel the world for next to no cost. So let's get hacking. It's really hard to figure out what the award availability on LATAM is because for some reason, experts fly or removed all the award availability. Uh, like it just, it doesn't show you anymore, but you can chat and ask them. And that's how I found some really good deals. And there's a lot of open availability because for that, because it's hard to book on points, it makes there more availability on points. And actually... A lot of people think you can't book LATAM with British Airways anymore, but they've actually retained their alliance. What, what British Airways did was a little bit sneaky. They asked, basically, they removed the LATAM from populating and their search results, but it's all still there. So you have to call. So one sneaky thing you could do if you have uh, British Airways or the Iberia Avios is contact Asia Miles first, find out about the availability, and then call British Airways. Hey there, Points people. You just heard a clip from Freddie Lansky from Points Panda. Freddie is the CEO and owner of Points Panda, an award travel consultancy and points blog with a U.S. airline news focus. He's flown first class in Korean Air, Cathay Pacific, Lufthansa, British Airways, and more. His other hobbies include surfing, hiking, and studying foreign languages. Freddie is from Atlanta, Georgia, and has called Mexico City his home base since 2015. In this episode, Freddie and I discuss some of the best routes for flying in and around Latin America, whether you're looking to do that on a short haul from Atlanta to Mexico City or a long haul business class flight all the way to South America. One of the main transfer partners we discuss in this episode is Avianca Life Miles, which is great for their rewards program, but not necessarily great for their hard product airplanes. You can transfer points to Avianca from American Express, Capital One, City, and Marriott. Some of the most popular cards with each of these programs is the Amex Gold, Capital One Venture X, and City Premier. If you would like to apply for any of these cards, please be sure you do not apply through Google, but rather use a friend or creator's referral or affiliate link. If you are interested in supporting this show when you apply for your next card, check out geobreezetravel.com cards. And now, on with the show. Hey, Freddie, welcome to the GeoBreeze Travel Podcast. Sure. Thanks for having me, Julia. Yeah, I'm so excited to have you here and to learn about lots of different award program tricks in Latin America. Before we get into all of that, tell us a little bit about your background. How did you get started into the game of points and miles? So <laughs> it was through my last business, actually. It was called iChess. Um, my partner uh, bought me out in early 2019, and he ended up selling the company as well. But we would film chess courses like the game of chess. And as we moved up the ranks, we were working with higher and higher end people that 
kind of you could consider themselves celebs in the space so they always wanted to meet the owners and everything and so it made more sense especially since i already knew about videography and and all that to fly me out and just handle the business part and shaking their hands and so on and also do all the recordings right and you know in the beginning it was like a once or twice a year thing and i was kind of like excited about it but by 2017, 2018, it was like every four or six weeks I was heading to Europe or something for just a couple of days. And it was totally exhausting. And so I I was never curious about business class before that. I just thought it was something that was way out of you know, the, the possibility of, of what someone like me was making at the time. Plus, I felt I didn't really need it because, you know, at that time I had more of a backpacker mentality. So I'm going to go to a place for a few months, relax you know, it wasn't a business person mentality, but I really was desperate to find a way to get these cheaper business class tickets. Um, and at the time I was already doing, you know, the Chase Sapphire and some of these other cards that, that have points, but I, I didn't even know that you could transfer the points or what that even was, because as you probably know, they, they don't actively promote it because they, they would want you to do a stupid redemption like a gift card or something like that, or at least use their portal. Um, for the credit card companies, transferring the points is usually the most expensive option for them. So they don't, they're not like too keen to promote it. But then I started discovering different blogs about how it was just really sad once I had discovered it, how many flights I had booked with the port that the business class ticket transferring would have actually been cheaper than the economy ticket just through the portal, but I had no idea. And so then I started getting into it and I got really, it has like a certain kind of like gambling or addiction type element where I got into it fast and hard. And then I started getting really into it. And, you know, we also were make, getting so many points from all, all these royalties that we're, we were paying out by credit card, you know, also doing like paid advertising with Google and Facebook, you get triple quadruple points. So, you know, we were getting, I don't know, say 30, 40,000 points a month on top of all the signup bonuses and everything. So we were awash with points. And so, you know, first I was using them for business, but then I was like, well, this is kind of fun. You know, I can use this to stay in five-star hotels and and for my own personal, you know, to start flying business class for, for personal reasons as well. And yeah, after that, I I sold a business. I started another business in points called Points Panda. It started as a travel hacking consultancy to pay me a yearly rate for unlimited help, you know, with credit cards and the earning side of things and unlimited award bookings as well. And I don't really promote that service very much anymore. Now I'm more focused on just growing the blog kind of in a traditional manner. I, I'd say like my site is kind of a smaller version of the points guy or one mile at a time and anything like that. I just, we're just promoting airline news and credit card news. And we also work with cardratings.com. So, so we put affiliate links to all these different credit cards as well. And that's how we make money. And yeah, not so active on social media. I'm really just doing Google and YouTube and everything and just growing that. And that's how I got into it. What were some of the first cards that you opened when you were doing this, both from the personal side and also the business side? Yeah, so I think it was like 2014, 2015, the Chase Sapphire just came out. I remember when the Chase Sapphire Reserve came out and they were offering 100,000 points. I think that was what, like 2016, 2017. And I don't know what it is with travelers and like digital nomads, but 
it seems like for everyone living abroad, the, the Chase Sapphire Reserve is the go-to card. It's pretty normal. Like when we're all splitting the bill at dinner, it's like four Chase Sapphire Reserves. I know now a lot of different companies that come out, you know, City and Capital One and then Amex all tweak their offering basically to compete with Chase. But for a while, I feel that was the main game in town. I think I had I had some Amex cards open as well, but I mean, some of them were cash back. I, so I, I guess it was the Chase Sapphire Preferred was the first card that had transfer partners, even though I had no idea at the time that you could use them in that way. It was just a lot of years. I was just putting my personal spend on it. And then, you know, when it came time to book a plane ticket, I would just go into the portal and book. And that's how I used the points for years. At what point were you doing all of this in the U.S. or where have you been located for most of the time that you've been doing the points game? Yeah, so I, I, I grew up in Atlanta, Georgia. And from 2010 to 2015, after I, I finished college in 2009, for those five years, I was more or less a full-time like traveler, digital nomad. So, so somewhere between kind of transitioning from a backpacker to more of a more stable lifestyle, like kind of digital nomad, but traveling every two or three months instead of every two or three days. But then I got kind of tired of that as well by the time around my 30th birthday, five years ago. You know, I was ready to settle. Plus, I have a dog as well. It's getting kind of complicated moving with him. And yeah, I checked out a few different cities. I looked at Medellin. I looked up Vital Carmen. You know, those are the two main hotspots for people working on their laptop and, and everything. But in the end, I chose Mexico City for a variety of reasons. And I've been there since 2015. So basically, the entire time I'm doing points i've been living abroad why did you choose mexico city it was just a lot of reasons it was it's just very practical you know i wanted all the benefits of living abroad without having to deal with being a 20-hour flight away it was the biggest surprise for me was up until very recently how few internet workers and people working online and work from home until COVID hit, we're in Mexico, the very, very few. And the few that were there were all heavily concentrated in like Playa, Playa del Carmen and Tulum. And not really to, in Mexico City, there really just really weren't a lot of foreigners working, you know, internet entrepreneurs and so on. And I figured, well, why are these people all living in Thailand and, and Bali and all these places that are so far away when they could just be here in Mexico and get all the benefits? And lo and behold, once COVID hit, all those countries shut down everywhere shut down and everybody, you know, who runs these uh, internet uh, businesses like you and me just started coming to Mexico in massive, massive numbers. And now the country started opening up again. But I think a lot of the people that came to Mexico are not leaving now. And Mexico City in particular has really, really changed. I, I think this is just a theory I have about like U.S. news and everything kind of painting. I, I, I Don't get me wrong. Like t there are tons of dodgy, terrible things that happen in Mexico and crime every day. But this idea that your life is in mortal danger or something that, you know, that you're going to get beat up and, and kidnapped. The second, like that's, I don't know. I, I think that's more like fantasy than, than, than the reality as long as you use common sense. But people didn't know that. Until I think there, there's like a turning point recently where so many foreigners arrive from the U.S. and Europe and everybody's doing just fine there that that stigma and, and this incorrect perception has kind of faded out a little bit. 
And that's what's been bringing so many foreigners to Mexico. So now I feel like it's reached a tipping point where more people are realizing it's perfectly safe to go and live. Well, not perfectly safe, but uh, safe enough, let's say. And yeah, that's just led to, to huge amounts of people coming to, to Playa, to Mexico City and, and some of these other parts. And it's been cool. You know, before it felt a little bit quiet. You know, I, I, I know a couple other people running a website or whatever, but it's, it's just totally changed now. I'm going... Every meetup I go to now, I'm, I'm meeting tons of people that are running, not just running internet businesses, but now uh, corporate people that work for big companies. But these meetups now in Mexico are huge. Like I'm talking like every time I go to one, I, it used to be hard for me to get like four or five people together for like an entrepreneur's dinner or something like that. Now, every time you go to a meetup, the restaurants, like they can't even let people in anymore because they always just overwhelm them with like hundreds of foreigners showing up. Like it's really changed a lot. So, yeah. Are you predominantly based just in Mexico City or do you travel a lot within Mexico as well? It's my base. I travel a lot in Mexico. I travel a lot between Mexico and the U.S. It's one of the main reasons I like living in Mexico is being so close to the U.S. And then I'd say I'm probably there about 70% of the time, 75% of the time and, and a quarter of the time I'm traveling. And it's really easy, too, because between flying on points and subleasing my apartment, which I live in a, in a very touristy neighborhood called Condesa, there's these WhatsApp, everyone's so desperate to get off Airbnb right now because of the crazy uh, taxes and fees or whatever. So I'll just post in one of these groups, okay, I'm leaving these two weeks or I'm leaving these three weeks. You know, I'll have somebody take it and pay me in crypto or whatever it is almost instantly. So between getting that money for my lease and flying on points, I mean, like this trip would have costed three or 4,000 bucks, but between assuming I'd actually paid a business class business class cash fare, which I probably wouldn't have, but let's just say, you know, even if I hadn't, let's just say I bought an economy ticket instead, plus not getting the money to, to sublease my place, would have been like $2,500. And that's kind of like the cheaper range. And now I got to travel to Bogota, Medellin. I have tons of friends there in Lima as well. And it's cost me basically, basically nothing. So <laughs> it's good. What are your favorite routes and airlines to use when traveling between the U.S. and Mexico? The route I fly by far the most is Mexico City to Atlanta, which is where I live and where I grew up. And the only airline that flies it is Delta, which is crazy because they carry 500,000 passengers a year in that route. And usually a route that has 500,000 passengers a year would have three or four competitors, but... Delta's made sure that they're the they're the only one. And yeah, the service is good, but it's pretty outrageous pricing. Another reason to stock up on your points is sometimes these, these economy and short haul flights and when you're flying Delta or one of these big airlines that have a monopoly can be really expensive too. I think it's usually like 500 bucks if you're lucky. It can be as much as like six, 700 bucks in economy, which for a two and a half hour round trip flight, I think it's it's a bit excessive. So I fly out route a lot. I fly Mexico City to Austin quite a bit too. That's that's another one. They only have one one airplane a day. And again, Aeromexico has a monopoly on it. And oh my God, they charge you up the wazoo. It's like four hundred five hundred dollars round trip. Even though it's it's a it's a like not even a two hour flight. It's like six hundred miles. But there's like four airlines that fly to San Antonio, which is an hour away, and then you can take an Uber or a bus. But 
who 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 wants to land 80 miles away from where they're trying to go you know if you want to if you want to fly direct there's only one flight a day and you got to pay up are you normally paying for these in cash with those ridiculous prices that you're quoting or is there a way to do this on points to save on that well it depends i mean you know as a fellow point expert that in recent years, the cash price for business class tickets has gone down, whereas the price on points, there's been massive point devaluations when you're transferring, has gone way up. So it used to be three or four years ago, if you're flying long distance business class, you don't even need to, to look at the cash price. Like you're, you're going to find a transfer that's a way better deal. Like now it starts to get a little bit more blurry. A lot of the times, just using the portal, especially if you have like an Amex Platinum or Chase Sapphire Reserve or like a third of the points back and ends up making more sense, right? And I, I, I think, I don't know, with with, their, with this particular flight, usually the points hasn't really made sense because they, they charge $500, let's say a 400 round trip. But with Delta Sky Miles, it's like 40,000 40, points round trip. So I guess... I guess it comes out to about one cent per point, which is, I guess is okay for airline points. But I think for credit card transferable currency, you should be aiming to get a little more. Plus, you know, when you book through the portal as well, the airline sees it as a cash flight. It is a cash flight. And then you can end up getting some points and, and, and miles on, on the back end as well. How about within Mexico? Does Aeromexico or any of the other ones work better if you're flying from say Mexico City to Cabo or Mexico City to Cancun, or are there other airlines that you should consider instead? Well, within Mexico, the only airline offering business class right now is Aeromexico. And another interesting anecdote, because so many of these long-distance international flights got cut, Aeromexico has been using their 787 for some of these really short flights, like from Mexico City to Cancun. So if you wanted to try a lay flat seat, I, I've seen sometimes on this two hour flight, maybe 70 or $80 in business class at the cheapest times. And so that, that's an easy way to get to experience that. And yeah, all the other airlines, I mean, Volaris and Interjet are essentially like uh, Spirit or Frontier or whatever. They're all just super bare bones. Um, and that's fine. I mean, so is their pricing. So you know what to expect, but don't, don't expect any any luxury other than using your, your priority pass for the lounge. And that's about it. And then there was another great airline called Interjet, but they didn't make it through COVID. And they were great. They were like, they were to Mexico what JetBlue is to the US. They had like 35 inches of legroom and all the seats and really comfortable unlimited snacks and alcohol for everyone. And it was just one class of service, but they went out. So I would say, you know, Aeromexico. And then of course, between the US, you also can choose, you know, Delta or American or United as well. And they, they have their business class offerings. And, you know, for those living in California, a really good hack is, is to drive the Tijuana and take like the CBS border crossing. They built, it used to be you had to go to a regular border crossing and then you had to take a taxi to uh, the Tijuana airport, but now you can park or take an Uber directly into the Tijuana airport. And they built this crossing that just goes straight in, right? And from there, you can get really, really cheap tickets to anywhere in Mexico, right? So if you live in San Diego, definitely worth it. If you live in Los Angeles, it might also be worth it, uh, depending on traffic, just based on where you're going in Mexico, because it, it, it might be that 
there's a direct flight from Tijuana and from Los Angeles. There isn't, you know, somewhere in Mexico. Tijuana is a very major airport in Mexico. I think it's the third or fourth biggest. Most flights in Mexico, domestically in Mexico, are these, these cheaper airlines, right? Viva Aerobus, uh, Volaris, has a few other small ones like Aeromar. But the only traditional airline that has like business class and all this other stuff and a lounge is, uh, is Aeromexico. So since they're generally like the unsexy airlines and so cheap, are these ones that you're generally just using cash prices for as well rather than points? Or is there a point sweet spot if you're ever flying within Mexico? I would. I mean, it depends. Like everything, you know, Tijuana is farther from Mexico City uh, geographically than Atlanta is. It's like a three and a half hour flight. Tijuana to Cancun is a five hour flight. And then from some of these other places, like say you're coming from San Diego and you're all the way on the northwest tip of the country in Tijuana and you got to get down, I don't know, Puerto Escondido or something. That's a nice upgrade to fly business class on Aeromexico. Even if it's just, you know, old-fashioned recliner, not like a state-of-the-art, you know, lay-flat seat, it's still way better than economy, right? And in that case, it, it very well might make sense to use points, right? Air France, uh, what do they call it, the, their, their program? Flying Blue. Okay. Yeah, it used to be good. Not so much anymore. Delta has occasional deals, but, you know, Delta's always tricky. For me, U.S. to Mexico, most of the routes aren't really all that long. And for me, it's more important to be able to fly direct, right? So say I'm in, I don't know, let's make up, say Chicago, and Chicago has a, a direct flight to Puerto Vallarta, but it's with one of these cheap airlines. Or I can take, you know, American Airlines or Mexico, but then I got a layover, I would probably just upgrade, you know, the front seat and pay for all the baggage in advance so there's no surprises. I would just prefer the the direct route. But I guess the, the short answer to your question is uh, usually it just makes more sense to book in cash or using a portal as cash. Yeah. If you're not in the South United States, like if you're further up north and flying to Mexico, I know a couple of popular things are to do Southwest Companion Pass because then... There's not really any sweet spots because you're either paying in cash or you're getting a flat 1.5, 1.6 cents per point, but yeah. one of you is free. And Southwest has a lot of routes now that go directly to Cancun or that go directly to Los Cabos. I know that when I was based in Denver, we had a direct flight to Cancun. JetBlue also has quite a few flights into Mexico, especially if you're either in the New York area, Florida, or really anywhere else in the East Coast, there's a lot of direct flights on JetBlue as well. Yeah, yeah, JetBlue's great. It's sad. We, until a few years ago, JetBlue, Southwest, a few of the other ones were flying to Mexico City, but they all they all left. They all fly to the tourist areas now, but they don't fly to Mexico City and apparently the reason, this is way pre-COVID, but the reason that they failed and they all left in 2018, 2019, was they didn't realize that apparently Mexicans, I don't know what the exact number is, but it's an insanely high amount. I think like 70 or 80% of plane tickets in Mexico are booked through travel agents. And they didn't like properly plan to push that market or whatever and get them to promote those tickets. And so that's, that's why they failed. But yeah, I love JetBlue. The few times that I get to 
to fly them. But they're always going between like tourist areas in Mexico and the Caribbean, like to New York and Boston and things like that. So those aren't typical routes. And JetBlue has a very small presence in Atlanta. So I haven't got a chance to, to use them as well. But the few times that uh, I have, they have a really good economy product with like free snacks and uh, TV and stuff like that. It's way better experience than a Mexican uh, discount airline for sure. If you are listening to this episode thinking, I wish I could travel like this, but I don't know where to start. I offer free credit card consultations by email at geobreezetravel.com slash consultations. Additionally, I host a masterclass and group coaching session each month through the Patreon. We've also added a new Patreon feature. Once you've been in the Patreon for 12 consecutive months, I will gift you a vacation voucher to the city of your choice. I've also added an option to sign up for an annual membership. With this option, you will get two free masterclasses each year and you'll get your vacation package voucher upfront. You can find more information about the vacation vouchers, consultations, and more in the show notes. This week's Patreon shout out goes out to Allison. Thank you so much for being a part of the GeoBreeze Travel Patreon community. Yeah. So let's talk about South America a little bit. What are somebody's options if they wanted to fly either from Mexico to South America or the U.S. to South America? Okay, all right. Now you're getting into my forte. Once you cross over to Mexico and you're flying to the rest of Latin America, generally the point redemptions on any of these airlines plummets in price. I mean, I'll give you an example. Like, say, say I wanted to fly from Houston, Texas or Dallas to Lima, Peru, right, where I'm, where I'm at right now versus from Mexico City or Cancun, right? It's only 500 or 600 miles farther north. The distance isn't that big of a difference, but the price and points will be massively, massively different. It'll, it'll be way cheaper, right? So if you're planning, if you're planning a full like Latin America trip and you don't, you know, you don't have the budget or you don't, you know, you don't want to take any long haul in economy, sometimes it makes a lot more sense to fly into Mexico first, maybe enjoy one or two spots there. And then from Mexico, then you can continue on to wherever it is in South America, right? Like Mexico City to Sao Paulo has had fantastic award availability. And it's a really, really long nine or 10 hours. And all, all the airlines, they do it way cheaper leaving from Mexico City than from, I don't know, let's say Houston, Dallas, or any of these other US cities that are that are kind of close. So that's a good strategy to get to the southern part of South America with a cheaper point budget is start in Mexico first, right? And then as far as airlines go, you know, Avianca is just forget it. I wouldn't even bother with their business class. Their life miles program is fantastic. Aeromexico is pretty good. They're not like amazing, but I would say they're up to par with, you know, the big US three airlines, which isn't anything to, to drag home about, but it's, it's an acceptable, acceptable level of, of business class. Uh, they've restored most of their service and Aeromexico, you can book it with life miles, which is Avianca's program. You could book it with any sky team partner and Delta bought uh, 49% of Aeromexico. So there's a lot more award availability with Delta as well. And then LATAM is everyone's favorite airline for long distance business class. I mean, it's actually like a, an agglomeration of different airlines called LATAM Chile, LATAM Peru, LATAM Brazil. And the reason they do it like that is because of the, right, this is more an AV geek stuff than points stuff. What does it call like the, the open skies agreement or something like that, where an airline can only fly domestic if it's like, you know, owned majority by either the government or 
or like more than 51% has to be located of the company in that country. I don't know. Either way, they have all these subsidiaries. But ever since LATAM left One World, it became really hard to book LATAM. You know, British. So Brit- the funny thing is, is they made this big scene, but then bit by bit, they reestablished all their old relationships. So I, it w- I think it was just a fight between LATAM and American Airlines. There was some really bad blood. I don't know the exact details behind it, but it seems at this point, most of the alliances are back to where they were. But the biggest loss for U.S.-based flyers heading to Latin America is, is now you don't have the ability to book. Uh, you can't use American Airlines points to book LATAM anymore. But I have been using, this is actually how we got in touch, was Asia Miles. So Asia Miles is in one world, but LATAM reestablished a relationship with them. And it used to be, so Asia Miles, like people are really turned off about Asia Miles, which is the, the award program for Cathay Pacific. Because they're a point booking system, their their portal is useless. Like you can't get anything done on it. It just constantly returns errors. It doesn't show the correct availability. And it used to be that you have to call and wait on hold. And everybody hates doing that. I hate doing it. Nobody likes to call the airlines. But now they have this live chat feature. And the agents are really good. And the wait time is rarely more than five or 10 minutes. And you can hit them up and say, I'm looking for availability here. And I'm looking for availability there. It's really hard to figure out what the award availability on LATAM is. Because for some reason, Expert Flyer removed all the award availability. Uh, like, it just, it doesn't show you anymore. But you can chat and ask them. And that's how I found some really good deals. And there's a lot of open availability because for that, because it's hard to book on points, it makes there more availability on points. And actually, a lot of people think you can't book LATAM with British Airways anymore, but they've actually retained their alliance. What what British Airways did was a little bit sneaky. They asked, basically, they removed the LATAM from populating and their search results but it's all still there. So you have to call. So one sneaky thing you could do if you have uh, British Airways or the Iberia Avios is contact Asia Miles first, find out about the availability and then call British Airways. But I don't know, <laughs> for, for some people that might be a little bit too much. It's like, well, I'll just pay the $500. Like I don't want to spend the next two hours figuring this out. But, and then what's some of the other airlines? Uh, Goal, you know, it's for Brazil. They're one of Brazil's biggest airlines. They can be booked with American Airlines, but you have to call, which is annoying. I've used that before, and I guess that's about about it. Yeah, I guess the main key point here, if you didn't know, is if if you're trying to get down to Argentina and you don't want to deal with a or Southern Brazil, Sao Paulo, you don't want to do like a 15 hour flight from the U.S. Just hop to Mexico first and and see what's available from the the business class flights from there to South America are way less competitive. U.S., <laughs> I don't know, those, the, those uh, even, even during COVID times, the, the, they, their business class uh, cabins are always full. They always find people that want them. So it's just a tip. Yeah, that's a really good tip to do a positioning flight to Mexico before trying to do the long-haul business class flight. And another thing is if you're trying to do multiple flights within South America, whether it's Northern South America, Southern South America, the United Excursionist perk is great too. All you need to do is go from the U.S. to somewhere in Southern, South America, say like Ecuador, and then another flight to South America, let's say Peru, and then back to the U.S. and that middle leg's going to be free. It has to be within the same zone and within 
there's certain ways to structure itineraries where you could get it, you could get two round trip flights. It's more than we're going to get into for this podcast, <laughs> but we do have a masterclass that yeah. the United States. I might, I might need to take it <laughs> in full detail. Um, so from all of the options, which one's your favorite? Which one's like the most luxurious to fly in South America or anywhere in Latin America? Oh man, that, that standard's been set pretty low. Well, there's no first class within Latin America. You can fly British Airways first class, Air France first class. So Emirates was doing a fifth freedom flight from Barcelona to Dubai, but I don't think they offered first class on that routing. And what is, what is I think there was one. Oh, of course, Lufthansa does a first class from Mexico City to Frankfurt. But within Latin America, they're a little bit behind the time. I mean, not even behind the times. I guess it's just supply and demand. You no, know, people aren't really, everyone's just trying to fly as cheaply as possible. So there aren't too many luxurious options. But I guess one thing, good thing during COVID is a lot of these airlines took the time to uh, reconfigure their planes to add more lay flat seats where there used to just be recliner seats. So it's getting easier um, to find lay flat seats. But I guess if you had to choose like within Latin America, LATAM would probably be the best service as of, at least as, as of this writing. But it's pretty standard lay flat business class. It's, you know, like I put it about the same quality as um, what does what United call their Polaris, something like that. It's about the same as Polaris, let's say. Polaris is nice. It's nice, really nice, 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 but not not like blow your socks off. It's not like you know Singapore first class or anything. <laughs> There's no lobster caviar. Is that really what I'm what I'm trying to say, right? Yeah. So, with everything that you've learned from flying all these different routes in Latin America, what would be your number one piece of advice? Do you want to talk about the Avianca booking portal and why you said? Their program is great, but you shouldn't actually fly on their airplanes. Okay. So Life Miles uh, has some really good redemptions and they have so many star. Uh, first of the star alliance is massive, right? You get United or Canada, Columbia zone. Sometimes these domestic flights last minute can be a little pricey in cash. You use them in points. They're so useful, but they also have non-alliance partners as well. So beyond Air Canada, Lufthansa, United, their own metal, Avianca. They also partner up with uh, Copa Airlines. Well, I guess Copa Airlines is in Star Alliance as well. And then they also partner with Aeromexico, right? So for me, those are like all the top airlines that I that I use, right? Is Aeromexico, Copa, Avianca. But the airline itself is in bad, bad shape right now. But they are cutting down to the bone. Like, I think they just opened up their lounges, but most of them remain closed. There's absolutely no service whatsoever. And another thing that really annoys me about Avianca is in 2022, uh, this is not recorded in April 2020, in 2022, they're still boarding back to front, uh, including business class. So if you're in seat 1A, like, or two, like, you'll be the very, very last person to board. And I think they're getting rid of business class altogether for all but their very longest routes and, and especially on their narrow body single aisle jets or pulling out all the recliner seats and jamming in more seats. So they've pretty much abandoned their business class product at, at this point. So I wouldn't recommend it right now. Maybe things will change. They're just 
Well, unless you just don't care, you know, and they happen to have the routing and the time's okay. And you're like, all right, well, I know I'm getting absolutely nothing and no meal and no service and, and no lounge. And I'm going to go use the priority pass lounge or whatever. And you're okay with that. But just know what you're signing up for is the quote unquote soft product is all but non-existent right now. It's not a diss to Columbia or to the airline. I'm just kind of stating facts is that the airline's in really bad shape. And for that reason, but that's it. You can play it to your advantage, right? So they've been, Life Mile sells their miles so cheap as they do these insane sales where you can get the points for like one, one cent each or 1.2 cents each. And I don't, I've never speculatively bought miles just because I just have so many from credit card signups as a US person with good credit and plus from my last business and so on. I don't need it. But if you don't have access to that, like a lot of times it makes sense to buy Life Miles and they're so easy to use. And my favorite part about Life Miles is with United, unless you have the same cabin available the entire time, it won't populate. But there's a lot of times where say you want to fly Lufthansa first class or Cathay Pacific first class. But the final one hour leg, they only have premium economy or economy. You can select which like the class of service that you want for each route to get it to populate, which makes it a lot easier to take first class, which as you know, can be notoriously hard to find availability. I wouldn't recommend flying first class right now until they restore service, but we can leave that story for another day. Okay. Great advice. And speaking of great advice, can you give a shout out to somebody else on the internet who listeners should go follow for awesome points and miles tips? credit cards and cars. I don't know how this guy does it. He might have some people on the inside, but he manages to get people uh, like status on airlines without having to fly them or hit any. I don't know how, how he does it. Credit cards and cars. Ah, credit cards, and cars. Awesome. I'll definitely need to check that out. And where can we find you on the internet? Yeah, you can find me at uh, points. Panda is my handle on Instagram and Twitter. And my website is pointspanda.com and you can reach me on the form there or just message me on <clears throat> at uh, Freddie at pointspanda.com. It's Freddie with the Y and uh, yeah, I'm always happy to give a uh, free advice or airline bookings and stuff like that. <laughs> awesome. Well, thank you so much for coming on the show today and telling us all about all the different airline routes in and around Latin America. Yeah, no problem. It's been a pleasure. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode of the GeoBreeze Travel Podcast. If any of the cards mentioned in today's episode piqued your interest, please check out the links in the show notes for more information on any of the cards. Also, if you apply for a card using the links on that page, I may receive a commission too, so please and thank you. P.S. I hear the links work better in Internet Explorer or Safari, and sometimes the credit card applications tend to glitch out in Chrome. Additionally, it would mean the world to me if you could subscribe to this podcast, leave a five-star review, and share it with a friend. And if you would like to make even more travel hacking friends, please sign up for the Patreon to access our monthly masterclass hangouts. We dive deep into a particular points program each month, and you'll get to ask all of your travel hacking questions and enjoy being around other people who enjoy points and miles just as much as you and I do. If you would like an invite to the next one, head over to geobreezetravel.com hangouts to sign up to be on the invite list. Take care and happy travels!